Welcome to the High and Low Podcast. I am your host, Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo, and I am weary already. Off the jump, we're weary because of the Bravo news that has been popping and cooking all week long. There has been silliness and lightness, things like someone saying that Kim Zolciak is for sure coming back to Atlanta. They didn't specify. And that's just like, you know, little news reports that come up on our feeds and stuff. And it's like, you don't know if that's a friend of, a guest spot, or if she's going to be holding a peach. But I can only imagine the number of text messages, singing telegrams, and things that she's probably been sending to Andy and to other producers of like, get me back on the show. Mama needs her wigs. Then we had the very terrible man child, the very silly person from Vanderpump Rules that, you know, I can't stand. And I've said I don't watch the show because of the two boy men who are just heavily focused on my rage will not allow me to watch it. Okay. And Exhibit W T F is this week boy man who had the affair Scandaval came out and said in an interview with a New York Times reporter, he compared himself to both O.J. Simpson and George Floyd. And the world heard a collective record scratch. It's Black History Month, if you didn't know. It's still February. But he went, he went ahead and did that. Uh, yeah. Now, I have gotten like two or three out of the thousands and thousands of messages, you know, from people all talking about this, where people are like, well, I mean, I get what he was trying to say. Oh, no, we all get what he was trying to say. That's not the question. We get what he was trying to do, but he didn't do that. Per usual, he um, he did something far, far worse. And then he put out like a weird kind of mea culpa. Look, this is why I don't watch a show. If anyone ever is like, why don't you It'd be really fun if you recap Vanderpump. What would it? Because my sanity couldn't handle it. There aren't enough gummies in the world for me to be able to tolerate seeing people like that talk. So that's been going on as well. And that has been shocking. I did not, I never in a million years would have thought that any of them would be that tone deaf, that ridiculous, that egotistical and full of themselves. And yet, and yet here we are. And then today an interview came out with Interview Magazine. Whose idea was this? Put them on the phone. Where they just have them eating cakes. It says Interview Magazine, Sandoval eats grocery store cakes. And it's literally photo after photo after shirtless photo of this man child with cakes. Not necessarily chewing, but just like, I'm going to bite on my fork. It's a bite of the... What is that? What's happening? Is the comet on its way? Come on and get here quicker. I really think they're going to have to do something with that show that's a bit different. I think they're going to have to split off. I think Ariana and Katie and Lala and other people that, you know, that the crowds find interesting. I think they're going to have to split off from these two absolute losers. And I say that without any drop of jokey jokes. <laughs> like they, They're dragging the ship down. And I think if everybody read that New York Times article, it was behind a paywall, but a couple of accounts put it up there. Brands by Bravo put up some highlights. If you read that article and the way that the journalist described him of like, he's late to everything. He's got this assistant doing all the actual adulting that's required in his life, which honestly would probably be good for him to see his bills and to have to put a stamp on an envelope and pay things. Nobody wants to do it, but he's got some person doing it for him. 
And then his publicist that they have sitting there next to him is just somebody in their 20s, according to the reporter, who's just on their phone the whole time and was a self-proclaimed fan of the show and watched it from middle school on. To which I wonder, chaos theory, a true fan of the show might let him spin out, you know, be like, oh, what a what an amazing show this is going to be now. I don't know. I don't know if it's ineptitude or if it's, uh, you know, clever like a fox. And doesn't that just sum up most of Bravo, right? Is it ineptitude or is it clever like a fox? The article says that Bravo became aware that he was saying some pretty horrific things. And so they tried to do a little switcheroo and say, hey, aren't you tired of talking to him? <laughs> don't you want to talk to somebody else? I mean, why don't you, why don't you give Katie a call? Why don't you just stop by? There's something about her thing. It's going to open any day now. They just tried to get this reporter to no longer <laughs> talk to the one person they were supposed to talk to. <laughs> oh, bravo. Too late. Rounding out our Bravo news before we get into the recap uh, is that Mauricio's show, there was a preview for it where he's sitting at an outdoor table, probably in his beautiful backyard in Encino, Will Housewives of Encino. And he's talking to his daughters, I think just the three eldest. I don't think the youngest was there, Portia. And they're talking about the separation, I believe, that leaks with People magazine. And he's saying, he literally, it's a 15-second clip and there's probably five seconds of filler, cutaways of tears and crying. So in 10 seconds, he fully explains the situation between him and Kyle, where he just says, your mom came to me. We've had a great 27 years, but your mom came to me, said she needed space. And she said, look, here's the rules. You do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to ask you questions. You don't ask me questions. Date whoever you want to date. I'm going to do the same. I'm like, okay, great. That's it. That clarifies it. Thank you so much. Meanwhile, I'm Beverly Hills. We, we've had no clarity. We've had no idea. She's like, I don't know if we're going to, I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to make it. And I don't know if I want to be in this. I'm like, just say what you said to him. But also how weird that he had all the daughters around a table and he's saying, here's what happened. Your mom came to me and she said, but she's not there. So that's very odd out of all the things that you could say to the girls, why be speaking for Kyle and saying exactly what she said when she came to you? Why not wait until she can be there? for that. That was odd to me. I don't know why he would do that. Anyway, I'm sure there's a difference in like filming and when something happened. For, but to me, it's always been clear between the two of them. And we're just left to be wondering and dragging along. Meanwhile, we're seeing in paparazzi photos that both of them are out there living separate lives. But let's get into it. This is a recap of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills finale episode where Erica comes out and does her first show in four years at Kyle's White Party. Now, I'm filming this in a unique way tonight. Usually what I do is I sit and I watch an episode and I'm taking feverish notes, more notes than I took in college courses. I'm stopping, I'm laughing, I'm giggling, I'm thinking of jokes in my head, I'm writing down what's happening. And then after my, you know, eight pages of notes or whatever, I scurry in to my little recording studio and I sit and I relive it. What I'm going to do tonight for speed is I'm going to watch it. As soon as I have a thought in my head or a giggle or whatever, I'm going <laughs> to run to the next room where my little mic is set up and I'm going to put my thoughts down and then run back and watch a little bit more. So it's going to be more true to like how I used to recap when I did it live on Instagram stories. But I'm going to try that technique tonight because my dear friend, uh, Sarah Galley, Dame Galley with Andy's Girls Pod, 
really wants me to come on right after the show ends and do a pod with her to sort of like get into it. And so in order to make time for everything, I need this all to go faster. And I think it's more fun that way to as soon as I have a thought, just share it with you all like we used to when we sit and just watch the shows together and um, and comment on them. And my favorite thing about that, and I'll say, yes, there are so many good things about a pod versus just posting on Instagram stories and then having it, you know, dissolve into the universe. But my favorite thing about doing it the old way was that as I'm posting, then everybody is like writing with their thoughts through DM. And so I'm not only posting about the show, but I would be like writing back to so many people and we'd be laughing and having such a good time. And so it really felt like a community activity. And this feels very solitary. So I see why men like it so much because they just get to sit and spew their thoughts, you know, but it's not a back and forth. And I really miss that. I do. So we'll see how it goes tonight doing it this way. Well, I just started it. And my first impression is they have like a cheesy campy song. I've taken a weird blend of gummies tonight. I don't know what, we don't know what the night is going to hold. Isn't that exciting? Anyway, I ran over here to say, I, I don't like the song. They open it on like a, lose control, gonna move, move, move. I'm like, why are we doing this? This is unnecessary. It's superfluous. We don't need it. It's distracting. Okay, going back into it. All right, well, 10 seconds in and I just ran back. This is going to be so good for me cardio wise. And that's what I ran back to tell you is that as women, we should focus on our health, our fitness cardiovascular overall wellness. And I watch for two more seconds in and these ladies greet each other at SoFi Stadium. And I don't know where that is. I know where Staples Center is, but nothing else. And they hug and Erica is looking very svelte. And they say to her, skinny as a needle, skinny as a needle. You're looking so good, skinny as a needle. Let's just get away from, from thinking skinny is a good thing. Overall, it is such a just a bad look to be like, oh my God, you're so skinny. Enough, enough with the skinny, but that's the Beverly Hills ladies. And I just want to say that's rebuked. We don't do that around here. You look good. You look strong. You look healthy. You look happy. Not skinny. No more of that. It's not the nineties. It's not the heroin chic era. We, we don't do that anymore. Kyle and Erica. And apparently Kyle is planning a white party. We used to see those all the time from her. It was like every season she would throw that P. Diddy white party, but she hasn't done it. And I want to say two or three years. And just now she says, I'm planning my white party. And these have always been like about family. It's always been about like celebrating my family. I'm like, has it? And then they show lots of smooches with Mauricio and little vignettes of all the white parties that we've ever seen, which has been a lot. So I guess she's... <laughs> almost like a coup de gras, like just wanting to do one last white party to close it out, like the last chapter of the book. I don't know why we're doing this white party out of nowhere now, but we are. And back in the day when she did the white party, she had this one guy who would always do the party planning for her. He was on camera. I forget his name. Somebody knows that you're yelling it right now. Greg, Gary, Glenn, something like that. But now she's got this guy. I think it's, I just, Kevin Lee, was that his name? Anyway, he was the guy that worked with Anna Nicole Smith, if you watch her show like I did, and he did Anna Nicole Smith's bedroom where it was like a pink furry wall and all the stuff he did for her. He's very like over the top eccentric character. And he's who's doing this white party. And I guess she's having it at this stadium. So we saw a flash forward last week with Erica singing and having like an all white outfit. And I'm like, are you going to have Erica Jane be the entertainment? At your white party? 
That's odd. If it's a party to celebrate your family like you and Mo. Oh, Erica just said Erica Jane is back and she's at SoFi Stadium. <clears throat> this is going to be a tough one, isn't it? I'm waiting for the gummy to hit. Okay, so they're walking around on SoFi Stadium's field, and I noticed that Erica and her friend, I already forgot her name, they're walking around in like stilettos on this grass or astroturf. Lord knows which one it is. But either way, impractical for what they came to do there today, which was be giddy and gloat over the fact that Erica is going to play SoFi Stadium, which is not the same thing as playing SoFi Stadium if your friend rented it out for her white party to pay homage to her marriage by having Erica Jane, who's happy about a judge confirming that earrings were stolen with client funds, play at your party. Erica did not sell out SoFi. She did not get booked to play SoFi Stadium. Her friend asked her on a show, <sighs> it's a technicality. And the guy is like, can you imagine playing here? And she's like, yes, I can. <laughs> Just the ego's out of control. It's out of control. It's a monster. It's bigger than the stadium. And the irritation, honestly, is because she said, take that. She's like, Erica Jane's back and she's playing SoFi Stadium. Take that. Who's taking it? The victims have been taking it for 30, 40 years. No one needs to take any Moe Yoshis. And then Kyle, partners in insufferability. Kyle's like, yeah, no, I learned about Kevin Lee from Lisa Vanderpump. I'm like, of course you did. Of course you did. You put the hit on your friend and then you took her party planner. And she's like, if I'm doing something so over the top, I need an over the top party planner. And he said, she's like, can we put, you know, a message, whatever we want, because they have these rings, digital rings that are going around the stadium with, you know, advertiser names or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I know it can say like Kyle 2023 or whatever. She's like, not my name. I didn't even say my name. It can just be like, you know, a white party or whatever. And he's like, well, we're going to, and she's like, what's happening with the cheerleaders? And he's like, well, they're going to cheer for you as you come out. And she's like, what? No. I mean, obviously you're Lisa Vanderpump's party planner because that's so a Lisa Vanderpump thing to do. Like, oh no. And she does her terrible Lisa Vanderpump impersonation where she's like, oh no, don't chip me, darling. No, it's too much. Okay, fine. Chip me. And everyone giggles because it's her party and she's probably paying for everything. Next up is Sutton, who is spending quality time with her daughter at a fancy jewelry store. I think the name was Martin Katz. They showed it a bunch of times but I still might forget it. Now, they were looking at uh, jewelry for Sutton to celebrate herself because she has done so much. Her store lasted for four or five years now through a pandemic, things like that. And so they start looking at jewelry and her daughter Porter is also looking at jewelry and she looks at a tennis bracelet. It's beautiful. It's probably mm, quarter of an inch thick, I would say. So like, I don't know a centimeter. It's on springs. And so she can put it on herself is the big angle to that. And she's like, well, that's good. Cause I don't have anyone to put it on. Me. And I'm like, you know what? Married or not married. It's very rare to have somebody around who can help put on your jewelry for you. And it is, how much was that bracelet? Oh, I thought they told us. Oh, $455,000. I circled it. $455,000 dollars for a bracelet. Half a million dollars for a bracelet. And then I started thinking to myself, wouldn't it be fun to celebrate yourself by putting 10 people through college? <laughs> you know, like little Lebowski's urban achievers. We could have little Sutton's suburban achievers and she could just find some kids who, uh, who need help. And then, you know, as they go out into the world, they carry her name and her goodness and her spirit forward. And I know a bracelet's fun too, but for 455000 Anyway, that's where my mind went. That's, she didn't buy that. She kept looking. 
Other items she looked at included a mint termalite ring. I'm not a big into jewelry. It's 20 carats, and she looked at that, and that was $89,000, and it looked like a green square that had a blue square around it. Then a blue diamond ring was as big as your thumb, and it was, drumroll, $9 million. $9 million. All right, next thing she looked at, sapphire, blue sapphire, like diamond, and I don't know, I guess it was platinum. It was shaped like a diamond, that like a drop earring, and those were $68,000, which you're saying it's a steal compared to the other items. I agree. Porter tries on some very cute little flower-shaped dangly earrings that are about $50,000. They're $48,000. And they're laying it on thick for Porter. They're like, I'm going to give her a graduation present. Oh, that's so cute. Those look so good on her. Yeah, her graduation. She graduates next year. Porter, those are so cute on you. And I'm like, she's good for it. Sutton's good for it. You don't have to sweat her like this. But Sutton ends up buying the ring that's almost free at $68,000 compared to the other items that she was looking at. And then she has a sit down with her daughter. I don't know if she got the earrings or not, if Porter got those earrings. But she says to her daughter, it was very hard when daddy said he was leaving. And then she also says, look, we don't sit around and eat bonbons around here. We go to work. And I was like, that's good. But also maybe pencil in just two days a week to sit around. Then she says, it was really hard for me, but I'm proud of my accomplishments. And she says to her daughter, always keep your independence. You can fall in love, have babies, all that stuff, but never forget who you are, which is just so wise because it's hard to get yourself back. That is true. And the one, the best thing about growing up in the Oprah era, where I would come home from school, plop down on the couch and watch subject matter that was far beyond my years, like women crying about their cheating husbands. And Oprah would always be like, you got to stay independent. You got to have your own bank account. You don't give up your name. But I don't even know if she said the name thing, but in my mind she did. And she would just always tell these women like, have your own money, never be reliant on your husband. And so years later, that's just, that's stuck in my mind. And I have my own bank account. I did not give up my name. And I just really like that. And my husband's an amazing person. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that women couldn't wear pants, couldn't have a checking account. Let's not forget this, okay? We got to be ready to bolt if we feel that heat coming from around the corner trying to lock us down, shoulder roll out. And my husband would understand it. If this turned into like Handmaid's Tale tomorrow and I had to like, well, then I would need him, I guess. Mm -mm -mm. They get you either way, don't they? But my point is, everyday marriage should be a choice, not a situation you're trapped in. You know, always be able to like, get out if you need to get out. Yes, heck yes, to keep your independence, keep as much of your independence as you possibly can. Just do it for feminism. Also, I just want to mention very quickly, one of my favorite places to get jewelry from, because I don't really like the feel of jewelry, and I lose rings a lot, so I don't buy very expensive ones. And I get them from Barracle, if anybody else has ever shopped there. It's so great. B-E-R-R-I-C-L-E, Barracle. And it's all like cubic zirconia, but then in either, you know, sterling silver or platinum. I think they have some gold stuff too. So it's nothing that's going to tarnish. It's nothing that looks super cheap. It looks very nice, but it's not very expensive. So I have like, I don't know, five or six different bands that I wear that are kind of like eternity bands rather than wear my nice stuff out because I'm always so worried that it's going to slip off my hand, which has happened. Shout out Lisa Barlow, Lisa Barlow Problems. And the earrings that Sutton's daughter has on remind me of a pair that, that they have on, on that website. I bet they're going to be a lot cheaper. 
unbearable. Like I would be surprised if they were over $50 and not an ad for them, but it should be. Uh, then we see Kyle bringing her daughters into SoFi Stadium where it's all been set up for her party. So there's, I think it's like almost aluminum looking palm trees. It's very sort of like life, but everything is silver or white. And so she has white flowers and white tablecloths, that whole thing. And then they show that her entire budget for all of this was $400,000. Now I'm sure that SoFi gave her some kind of discount. Maybe she's not paying anything. I don't know. Because all these stadiums and things, as someone who used to do events, you can always rent those out. I mean, I used to book like executive meetings and stuff and I would go visit all of the ballparks and whatever around the offices because it made all those old bros like feel so cool to be in that setting, you know? So it's a treat for the normies to just get in there and rent those places. So her daughters come in and they see it and they make fun of the fact that he put her name in really gigantic letters on the dance floor. Kyle! just really big. And she pretends to be mortified. She's like, no, this is not about me. I don't have parties about me. Lisa Vanderpump has parties about her, but not me. And so I'm like, man, let's dig like number three at Lisa Vanderpump. She hasn't done anything to you lately, Coil. Why are you coming for Lisa so hard? Like you use her guy on TV, but sure. Yeah. Okay. Then they break it down further. They show like a stage at the end of the whole setup and they say live concert setup $50,000 and I was like what you're spending $50,000 to let Erica sing that's just to to set up the stage ask me how many $7 tickets that is for her Vegas residency I've got the answer because I did the math that's 7,142.8 tickets to her show at $7 a ticket I don't know what the venue seats, but I don't think it's physically possible to do. They tell us that those palm trees that are silver or white or whatever are $14,000. But what's a few weird frozen looking palm trees when it's in honor of your marriage? You know, they force us now to look at 8.5 Anne and her husband in their abode talking about what are you going to wear? And then they zoom in on a pregnancy photo and it, the whole thing was probably 15 seconds and it was 15 seconds too long. At this point, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've been watching this for so long. I bet we're like 35 minutes in. So I paused it and we're 11 minutes in. <laughs> and I just want to say that marijuana is a hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. Then we see Garcelle. She's getting her glam. And she's telling her glam team that she talked to Denise. And Denise and her were talking about Erica's residency. And Garcelle said, Erica's doing so much better She's got this residency going and that Denise said, quote, you can do that. And that is you can lip sync a residency. Oh, Denise, where was that? Where was that at Kyle's dinner? Come on. You can you can do the reads from afar. That's useless. Next time we need you ready when you come to the arena. Erica arrives at the stadium and she sees that Kyle is written in giant letters on the floor and she's like, what is this? <laughs> Whatever. It's not my party. I'm just here to work. I'm like, oh yeah, work. So does that mean she's getting paid? Does that mean she's getting paid? I don't know. I don't know. Erica had on gigantic sunglasses. They were like if a Lego robot made sunglasses, that's what they look like. And I said to myself, it is bright in there. 
to me, a good party venue, the lighting is, is more, I don't know, fun. And it's more, it's just such a cavernous open space. It doesn't really scream party venue to me. And I wonder what it actually feels like to be in that space and be trying to just, I don't know, it just seems like it'd be so overwhelming. So I'm curious about that. And then, yeah, it's just so bright. And then for it to be a white party on top of that, very bright. So I don't know what time of day the party starts. I hope that it's actually going to get dark in there. Because to me, that would feel weird to try to be dancing and letting loose when you're on like an operating room table, you know, in a stadium. Then we see Dorit FaceTiming PK. And he's still in London. Are you shocked? I'm not shocked. That means he missed the Mother's Day that she wanted him to come back for. And he's missing the white party. And she says that to us, like, that he knew about this white party. He knows he's missing this and I'm having to go by myself. I'm like, I don't like that for you. But I've not liked a lot of things for you. Nothing has changed. So we move on. And then this really bothered me. She's like, you know, you couldn't have done this eight months ago. Eight months ago, I wasn't in a place where you couldn't have extended your trip. And he's like, eight months ago, I wouldn't have extended my trip, Beau, because you wouldn't have handled it well. You weren't in a good place then, love. But now I have because you are in a good place. And I'm like, that's, I didn't like it. It felt kind of like reverse psychology. But she seemed, she seemed all right with it. But then in her cutaway, in her confessional, she says, uh, you know, P- PK is still not really, he's saying verbally that he gets my PTSD situation, but his actions don't reflect it. And I don't know if we're going to end up working out. I love him so much, but I worry we won't be able to stay together. I'm calling BS on that because I don't think Dorit would ever leave PK. That's just what I get out of those two. I think they're just in it. And it's like, ding dong. And she's like, oh, glam is here. And he's like, all right, darling, you go take care of you. And I'm like, you're just spending money. And he's just, I don't know, Lord knows what he's doing in London, trying to turn a book. Then we got to Kyle and she and her girls are getting glam done. They are at the stadium up in like a suites, like a box area overlooking the the peons on the floor. And they're getting their glam done and like taking photos and stuff. Then we see Erica, poor, poor Erica, penniless, poor Erica, getting her glam and a bunch of men standing around her and deciding what she will look like. And she's like, I don't do anything. You can put me in anything. And somebody's deciding what her hair is going to look like and what she's going to wear and all that good stuff. And in these moments, I realize she really just is a paper doll for this crew of people who then have a vision and she just, you know, puts on whatever. And that gets me to wondering, what does, what is her style? Is this, this is all them this whole time? It's just interesting to think about when it comes to that level of glam. But it's a big deal for them, they're saying, because it's her first live show in four years. We also show Mauricio getting there, dressed in white, but of course his shirt is, is unbuttoned so that we see all the way down, probably maybe like two, three inches above his belly button, but he's working that deep, deep, deep open shirt situation and he's like uh he spreads his arms really wide like uh like pointing on both sides just to make sure that the shirt widens and that we see a little bit of his of his uh gray chest hairs and then he he rolls in he's uh very jovial per usual and he's like oh yeah i know my wife i mean i feel like she saw this thing you know this is great yeah and um, then a little bit of time goes by. People start arriving and we see Sutton gets there. Garcelle gets there. And when you get there, 
you walk through, you know, the tunnels where they come out, like in, when they play a football game or whatever at the Super Bowl and they come through those tunnels, you come through a tunnel like that. And there's women on either side of you that are dressed like flappers, almost like all have the same, like the short bob hairstyle, you know, and then they all have on like a flapperish kind of cheerleading outfit. But then that's not enough cheerleaders. Then we're going to beat that to death because then you're going to get out and they've got the Rams mascot and Rams cheerleaders. And we really hope they're getting paid. There's also a woman like on stilts or standing on a very tall box or a ladder. And you have to walk by her and she looks down at you and she's wearing red. And I don't know why. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, more people start coming. Cynthia, Bailey, Jeff Lewis, they walk in together. And I said, hold the phone. And I paused it. Because Cynthia's wearing flats. She's the smartest woman there. She's wearing comfortable, like, glittery-looking flats on top. I was like, good for you. Because Sutton's wearing gigantic, platform, chunky heels. They're sparkly and, and very cool, but treacherous on soft ground like a football field. So I don't know how she did that. We see Camille and her daughter and her new husband are all there. I love that Camille was invited. I love it if they're all in a good place. And then we see Kyle and her daughters are in a golf cart being driven down. And she yells out, it's expensive to be us. And I was like, oh, man. And it put me in a weird place. Like, why do I watch these shows? These women are terrible. Then we see the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, that stands for, of SoFi Stadium and her family walk out. And I was like, it all makes sense. This is a commercial for SoFi Stadium. There's the chief marketing officer. She gets to be on the show. Her whole family gets to be on the show. Quid pro quo. You book your thing here. Bada bing, bada boom. It's not as expensive as it normally would be. But people are mingling and eating and generally just socializing. And so nobody but Sutton notices that Kyle and her daughters have arrived. And they're walking through the rows of cheerleaders and mascots and very tall lady wearing red for no reason and nobody's noticing. And Mauricio had been looking out for them like, oh, they're going to get here soon. They're going to get here soon. But now they're there and he's over making a plate and giggling. And he's not announcing like, and Kyle is here. But people are mingling. They're having a good time. Kyle goes up to Jeff Lewis and is like, enough of you and your podcast making fun of me. Talking poop about me. And they show a headline where Jeff Lewis said that he thought that Kyle was on Ozempic. And then she's like, you better fix it. He's like, I did fix it. I fixed it that day. She's like, okay, I love you. And they're like, mwah, mwah. That's Beverly Hills, baby. And then we go to Denise. And Denise is there. And I was like, oh, that's nice of Kyle to invite. A little ragamuffin. And she's wearing a pink, like, you know, sports-ish kind of jacket over like a white shirt and white jeans. And so, you know, Dorit beelines over there. And then she starts talking smack in her confessional. Like, I thought this was a mic party. Oh, I didn't know you wear pink to a white party. She even says it to Denise's face and Denise is like, eh, whatever. I'm like, oh, Dorit. Sutton is talking to Garcelle about Steve. Remember Steve? Try hard, Steve. And I guess he ghosted her. And she didn't hear from him until like two days later. And so she's over that now. And she says she just wants to date her business and focus on her success. And I'm like, you do you. And Santos, of course. Because we've reached the part of the episode where we're giving everybody's quick summary, like their pretty little statement on the screen, and we're like pauses on their face. It kind of goes to black and white. And then some, you know, print comes up on the screen. And so that's Sutton's, is that she's focusing on her business and herself. 
And then they show uh, Mauricio and Kyle bumping into each other on the Kyle dance floor. And they're like, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Which is really weird and awkward. And she immediately is irritated with him because she's like, one of our guests said they ran into you and they asked you where the party was. And you were like, I don't know the parking lot. Why would you think that I would have a party in a parking lot? I was like, wow, y'all are literally saying hi. She's over it. In her confessional, she's like, well, that just shows again that Mauricio just doesn't listen when I talk. And again, I say, we get it, Kyle. Oh, my God. All right. Now comes the performance from Eric and Jane. And so we see her praying to an unknown deity with Mikey and the other dancers. And Mikey gets choked up because he is a good actor. And Erica thanks everyone and says, it's been a long run. Like, you know, she's the old jaded soul. She's been through so much in the last two and a half years. Uh, victims have been dealing with this for decades. But yes, yes. And she says in her confessional, I hate what these last few years have done to me. And then we do these like quick flashbacks of her, you know, in the headlines and things like that over the last few years. And she's like, I quit caring when I ain't when I want. I was angry. Everything I've gone through led me to SoFi Stadium. And I'm like, oh, again, you're acting like you were, you're booked on a sellout show. You're playing your friend's party. You're not playing SoFi Stadium. <sighs> we let it go. And Kyle gets up and makes a speech. And it's a very short intro. She really just jumps to introducing Erica. She's like, hey, everybody, thank you for me, our party. And now here's Erica Jane, my friend Erica Jane. And Erica walks out. Like, you know, with her slow stomp and uh, her, you know, gangster pout on. And she's wearing like a hooded robe. It's like she's trying to do the thing where a boxer comes out for a fight and they have the big hooded robe on. That's what she's going for. So she's got a little mean face like, mm, 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 I want my earrings. Mm. Like a mean face like that with her big, you know, cloaky thing on. And then she gets up on stage and she somehow manages to lightly gyrate with a wind machine on her and lip syncs to it's expensive to be me. And at these moments you say, where does she get the strength? You know, and everyone cheers for her. And then it's the Erica show for a little bit. And we get cut to a Kyle confessional saying, Erica Jane has just made her comeback. And then Erica's like, at the end of her song, it cuts right to the end of her song. She's like, and I still don't give a fuck. <laughs> And again, we all say, we know, Erica, we know. And then Dorit in her confessional says, she got out there on stage and she gave the people what they wanted. I'm like, the earrings? Did you toss those to the crowd when I wasn't looking? Just kidding. I think she'd given them up by then. But I mean, the lawsuits to fight over the earrings, that's still costing the bankruptcy court more money every time she goes to court. And that's money that would go to the victims, but now won't because she's eating it up in legal fees over the earrings that were bought with client funds, those. Sadly, no. And then Dorit says, she's a real showman. And to me, my Dorit voice has slowly turned into kind of an Oliver twist. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. And then Erica in her confessional says, I put my butt. Wait a minute. I Oh, yeah, that's I can read my own handwriting. <laughs> she said, I'm leaving that in. She said, I put in hard work on myself to change my body. To change my mind. I wake up now and I feel good about the person I am. 
And then they on her little screen, her little text says, Erica Jane is working on new music videos for 2024. Her bet on blonde is finally paying out. And I'm like, what? Who wrote that? Shut up. (laughs) How is it paying out? And who wants new music videos? That's ridiculous. Who's paying for that? Hashtag who's paying for that? And then Dorit's thing is, PK and I have, I'm just going to go higher. It's like a Mickey Mouse. If Mickey Mouse did a one-man off-Broadway show of Oliver Twist, that's where this voice is going. PK and I have a lot of work to do. And then it on the screen it says, PK came home after 39 days. 39 days. That is a long time for a father to leave a lady alone with two little kids. I mean, he's not in the military. That's a long time. I'm just saying if she had the locks changed after 30 days, I don't think there'd be anybody who said that's unreasonable. So then we cut to Dorit and she says, no matter how hard I try, he's not going to take me seriously. And she means her PTSD. And be present when I need him. Maybe he'll never change. Can I accept it? I don't know. And then uh, on screen, they're super shady boots because they say the real distance is between Kyle and Dorit. They haven't spoken since December. I'm like, okay, great. We knew that. We knew they weren't speaking. Then Anne-Marie is barely in this. Barely. There is a garnish, like a piece of parsley on the side of a big plate of pasta. That's how much Anne-Marie we get. And I'm not mad about it. And they go to her and they say, Anne-Marie and Crystal haven't spoken. She's retired from giving medical advice at parties, which means none of her little bullet point things were actually about her (laughs) or her life or her goals. It's just funny. And then her cutaway scene of her talking is like, I'm always dedicated to working on myself. I'm like, that's nice. It has been such a pleasure to meet you. I think I speak for everyone when I say, This has been so fun. Uh, Don't call us. We'll call you. So glad you didn't quit the day job. They focus on Crystal dancing with Rob, saying she's having so much fun. and We love that for them. And her stuff, messages on screen and things are about her releasing the anxiety and stress and tenseness situation with worrying about her brother and his well-being and, and releasing that. That's her closing messages. Then Garcelle in her confessionals, talking about how she has been growing and learning as a mom, trying to be a better version of herself. And then they show her winning awards because she actually has like a very successful career outside of this. And so she doesn't need the show. She's one of the few that don't need the show. And I think that's always important to remind the viewers of. Then Sutton, she plumb trips right over at the edge of the stage. She is such a little silly bird. Trip right over, land on a little caboose. She makes a joke. She's like, Avi, where were you? You gotta push me like that. Which is just adorable. Because, I mean, Avi didn't, but he wouldn't. Would he? I don't know. Nobody let Avi watch Saltburn. And Sutton's ending uh, commentary to the camera is, me and my esophagus, we're doing just fine. Then they take a group picture and everybody's smiling. And then, poof, the Bravo trick that we're all used to, that we're all trained to be like, what? And prairie dog it and know that something serious happening. Black screen, white text. One month later, 
and then some big news is hitting and they show Carlin Mauricio, it's a separation news over dramatic music and all these different like People magazine and whatever headlines. Carlin Mauricio after 27 years, Carlin Mauricio separating. Ah. And then we got to Dorit saying, uh, talking to PK, FaceTiming him, of course, because he's not home. And she's saying, Kyle never gave me any indication. And PK says, it's pretty F-opped. I just said it's pretty F-opped instead of it's pretty effed up. I'm leaving that in. And I'm like, why is that effed up? Why do they have to tell you what they're up to? Why do you two feel like you need to be told the intimate details? Even if you went on a couple of trips with them, ain't none of your bees wax. Not more than anybody else. Then we see Rob and Crystal talking. <laughs> and Rob is so funny. This really cracked me up. You know, she's like, oh, I wonder who leaked it. And Rob's like, oh, I think that it was Morgan. What if it was Morgan that called people and she leaked it? <laughs> and Crystal's like, ha, ha, ha. You know, we've got we've got our movie director over here just coming up with plot lines. Don't pay any attention to him. Don't get mad at me, Kyle. I can't hear about it. And then we see Sutton and Garcelle talking and they're really going back and forth on the phone. And Sutton's like, I think this whole time she has not been honest with us, I think. I think she has been lying to us this whole time. And I'm like, yeah, she has. Once again, always at the finale. Sutton's always putting stuff together at the finale. Then we do a black screen white text again. And I'm like, use it sparingly. And then they say, one day later. And then it says like, Kyla Mauricio put out a statement. The statement from Kyla Mauricio. And they're like, no one ever said we were separating. We never said that. And they cut to Kyle saying, you know, choking up in her confessional, very difficult for her to like get these words out. And she's like, they were all together when the news hit. Their phones started blowing up. No one knew what to do. It was just dead silence in the group. Mauricio got upset wanting to know who would leak that. And she said she was focused on how sad the girls all were. And she said she felt like her life was over in that moment. The life that she had known up until then was over. Then we see Erica visiting Kyle and she's wearing a very odd outfit and they sit down and they reflect on, of course, when Erica filed for divorce in November of 2019 on voting day and how Kyle was so supportive and uh, was always there for her. And then Erica apologizes to Kyle and she's like, I'm sorry, honey, if I wasn't the most astute friend, if I wasn't paying attention enough because I didn't see any signs of this. We sat at that table a month ago and I had no idea that you were going through this. So I want to apologize for that. And I'm watching the scene and I'm thinking to myself, dang, you can apologize for not maybe noticing that your friend who never reveals really much about herself personally on the show was having issues in her marriage, but you couldn't apologize to the victims for just being horrible on the show about them and calling them alleged victims. That's just funny. Then Kyle and uh, Erica are kind of dissecting what the issues are between Kyle and Mo. And she's like, it's not just one thing. It's not that either one of them are cheating, that there's no one on either side for either of them. Oh, really? She's crying and she's talking about how long they've been together. And it is very touching and it is very sad. And I do think that is very real for them to be ending this relationship. But... I don't know. I also think they're very coordinated in how they've talked about it, utilized it across two different shows that they have and have been kind of dragging this 
one portion of Will They, Won't They out for a whole season of Beverly Hills. But she's saying to Erica, like, she feels like a failure, like she's letting people down. People online are saying, like, we have, we even believe in love anymore if you guys don't make it. And I'm like, well, that nobody cares about what people online are saying. People are always dramatic about that. If, you know, two ducks in a zoo broke up, people would be like, oh my God, no one's going to make it. People are just dramatic online, Kyle. It's okay. And that she kind of like really identified part of her identity was based in the fact that she had this very long running marriage. She was so proud of it. You know, 27 years is a long time, especially in Los Angeles. And Erica's like, no, honey, you can still be proud of it. It was still, it was still an amazing marriage. And she's right. And I agreed with everything she was saying there, which is like, don't let other people get into your mind and make you feel like that. You need to be happy, et cetera. From this point on, it is the Kyle show. We don't really learn anything or see anything about anybody else from this point on. It is just Kyle and Mauricio talking in the kitchen Getting And she looks, I love the look that she had in that kitchen. Not a midriff uh, type shirt, but just the kind of shirt it was, which is just like a classic blue button down. And she had this great necklace. It's probably real diamonds for her, but you know, like I would get fake ones. I just love the way that looks. Also, I'm high, but it looked really good. And I, I thought it was a nice, like put together, upscale casual. She's sitting down to talk with her girls and Mauricio to be like, does anybody have any questions? I know everybody was upset about the news that came out. We have not talked about divorce yet, just so everybody's aware of that. So she's really running this meeting. And Mauricio is there like taking the minutes, but he's really not contributing that much. He's like, how's everybody doing? Good. But this is Kyle's show. And she alludes to you know, we've been doing all this under one roof, under one roof. And she keeps saying that. And I'm like, she wants to move out or she wants him to move out. And then the girls react very negatively to that, uh, especially Portia. And she's like, well, no, we're going to see how it's going. And then maybe we'll move to that phase. And it's so tough to watch because it seems like from an outside perspective, it seems like Kyle is so very ready to move on to advanced stages of this. But she's trying to make everyone, you know, make it easier for the kids and probably Mauricio too, because he seems like he's willing to tell the world like everything's fine and they can work it out, whatever it is. But when Portia started crying, I started crying and it was extremely sad because it's a real cry. And you know what I'm talking about, us reality TV watchers. It is a real kid sitting there crying, having their parents talk about separating. We watched Portia co-sleep with Kyle and Mauricio. Do you remember that? She's asleep in their bed. It's just, it's so amazing that we've been a part of that. And it actually is really sad to watch Portia cry. And I was very upset by it, but Kyle's keeps telling them she's choking up too. And she's like, we're a family. We're always going to be a family. And in her confessional, things really popped off because she finally gives a reason. A producer asks her, so like, why, what is this? Like, why do you think this happened between you and Mauricio? And she says, quote, things happened that made me lose my trust and I wasn't able to recover from that. I mean, he either cheated or got close, right? What else could that mean? Make her lose her confidence in a 27 year marriage, you know? Mm-mm. Mm. I mean, take it all. 
you cut that man's toenails. You hooked him up with a real estate empire. Take everything that you can. He'll make more of it. He'll be fine. And then they really started just like kidney punching us, kidney punching us. They're like, give me all the tears in your body. And they did flashbacks from when Portia was a toddler. They did flashbacks of Mauricio and Kyle just laughing and cutting up like they used to. And then boom, they hit us with more headlines of like Mauricio and Kyle separating, showing where Mauricio's in Aspen or wherever snowy, luxurious place like popping champagne and there's girls on the slopes pretending to be only in towels. And then they actually did have the bulls to put up a photo of Kyle and Morgan holding hands, walking down the street and people being like, Kyle and her relationship with Mor- with Morgan Wade. So at least they went there. And then it went right into, you know, previews of Reunion Part 1, which they also released today online. So I don't know if you saw those or not yet. Now, their outfits at the Reunion, I I normally don't pay too much attention to these things, but Dorit's outfit is so interesting. It's like red. It's almost like a, I don't know, it's a... Mm, how do we describe this? Now, in my kitchen, I made myself laugh by saying that she was Little Red Riding Cornholio. And I feel like that's the best way to describe. Like, if I said that to you, hopefully you get an image in your mind right away of like, it's red. It's uh, over her head and her face is peeking out. And then, but then she has like a sliver of hair, almost like a Spanish flamenco dancer. So I didn't know if she was trying to do a nod to that, but there's no curl to it. It's just kind of straight you know, like a slash across her forehead. I don't know what we're doing, but everybody looks good. I will say I'm pretty fascinated with Crystal's dress because it's like hand beaded. I saw a post about it. The designer put something up and it's it's so intricate. And you know, I love an intricate design or like when something is embroidered, just the beauty of that time it takes, like emerald greens and light greens and a little bit of yellow. And it's like a very natural sort of nature inspired design. I think it's stunning. It's artwork is what it is. I love Bravo fans. Somebody, Jarrett Weisselman on Twitter says, Anne-Marie wearing a dress to the reunion that Charisse already wore to a Potomac reunion is the perfect end to her absolute flop of a season. They show a side-by-side of Anne-Marie in the exact dress that Charisse wore. And I cannot stand Charisse either. I know some people really like her. She gets on my last nerve and she's just as thirsty. So that is kind of perfect. And in the preview that we saw for the reunion, Erica and Dorit are both talking about Kyle and how she sent Dorit a message trying to control her for at the reunion, and which I believe. I Dorit always, to me, has been the like almost the weakest link of their little Fox Farce 5. And, you know, from the minute that Rinna tapped her on the leg to to shut her up at a different reunion, I'm like, I think Dorit gets kind of pushed around. She's just kind of happy to be there and goes along with whatever. But um, they don't like that. And so she and Erica are talking about Kyle. And so I don't know if that's manufactured or legitimate. It'll be interesting to see. But Erica's misplaced anger. She had already said on Watch What Happens Live that she thinks that Andy needs to come for Kyle and put her in the hot seat. And, you know, really grill her about things she's saying and not saying about her marriage. And that's classic Erica, to heal by hurting others, you know? That's what you can expect of that friend group. And they do show Andy asking Kyle quite a few questions, saying, how did you feel about seeing Mauricio holding another person's hand? When he went on Dancing with the Stars, that was just his 
That was his dancing partner. So again, this is all silliness. Why are we wasting our breath on that? But she says, I didn't feel good about it. No, I didn't feel good about it. I'm like, it's too late. We know. Mauricio already said that you're the one who came to him and said, I want space. You go date whoever you want. I'll date whoever I want. So I can see myself probably fast forwarding through quite a bit of this uh, reunion. And then, you know, Kathy shows up at the reunion too. And as much as Kathy is amusing, despite her obtuseness and grand wealth, I was like, Kathy, what you doing here? You weren't even there all season. Did I, did I trip out and miss her being in an episode? I don't think so. She wasn't there. So why is she at the reunion? Weird. I just have to point out the sponsorships that I've been noticing. Dorit's pushing Coca-Cola. And it did not go unnoticed to me that I believe it was last season or the season before Kathy's big thing was pushing Baccarat. Do you remember that? She had a Baccarat themed dinner at her house where she used Baccarat crystal and then Baccarat was making like jewelry or something. They're pushing it really hard. And I was like, we get it. Okay. You want us to spend a lot of money with Baccarat. I'm not going to do it. That's the, it's like, let them eat cake. The planet's getting hotter. Rent is going up. Ain't nobody buying the Baccarat. Just saying. But hey, when society collapses and the streets are empty, maybe I'll wander into a destroyed Baccarat store and see if any crystal remains. I'll put that on my list, Kathy. My clothes will be in tatters. I'll have like a can of tuna in a cargo pant pocket. All of the Real Housewives will have perished within the first, like, 60 days of the apocalypse. I'll wander through the Baccarat store, my boots crunching on remains shards of crystal. Maybe I'll run into somebody in the store and we'll lock eyes and I'll say, remember the baked potato? And they'll say, yeah, that was a good episode. And then we'll go back to our camps. That's how I see myself in a Baccarat store. That was the finale. And it. my biggest takeaway is that whole story arc was meant to be... Erica Jean's comeback story. You know, they started out with an apology from her to the group. And then the the closing episode, she does her comeback show that Kyle helps to facilitate and book a venue for. And little did they know that she was going to completely destroy that (laughs) because she can't let go of the earrings and she can't apologize to victims and she doesn't even care enough to read a printout saying what their names are, are when before she walks into the into the meeting. So all that work that imagine having a network build a whole season around trying to redeem you. They you're going to have a therapist to say be like what's empathy? I don't even oh, but feel bad for others. Hmm. Imagine what they feel like. Oh, this is so hard. That's what she said. Anyway, that over and over. And then you have all these things and you're demanding an apology and you get a little bit of something from Crystal and then you just ruin it. You just ruin it. Again, this woman has had more chances and more money blown on her ego than most people will ever even see in their lifetime. Previews for next week also show Sutton like having the shakes or something after Kathy comes out. I'm unclear as to what happens to her. It looks scary in the moment, though, but she's obviously okay. So we'll have to see more about that. Issues between Dorit and Kyle, as expected. Erica looking very gleeful when, you know, Kyle's going for someone. So classic Erica. Dorit being very upset with Garcelle for her commentary about noticing 
Dorit's still wearing her jewelry after she'd been robbed several times. And Dorit's very upset about that. And we're going to have to hear about it. But as much as they're offended, Dorit and Kyle, I think, are the biggest culprits of making pretty horrendous commentary in their confessionals that they should be checked on for sure. And we will see if it happens. And I think it is, again, a three-parter. And apparently no husbands, no spouses are going to be there, which Dame Galley, I just did her pod, was saying how odd that is. And I agree that if we're saying goodbye to Kyle and Mauricio, Mauricio has been a big part of the show. He's been a very popular house husband. We have watched him build his company. We've done so many events for the agency on the show. It's really weird to not have him come on and and be a part of the reunion of this season. Going to try to do a dive for you for the next pod that will drop on Monday. Hopefully it goes well that I did this back and forth. I think it was a pretty quick recording time to do that, to watch it and record it live like that. So I'll try to do that more. I'm getting faster with this. I'm getting better. You had to stick with me. You know what I mean? The people who put out a podcast directly after the show airs, that's the goal. That's, you know, we're going to get there. In the meantime, please like, subscribe, rate this pod. I have a YouTube channel as well. And until the next one, which I think will be the dive on Marco Marco, so that you know all the facts of that case that were left out of The Housewife and the Hustler Part 2. Until then, don't be like Mauricio and give your wife of 27 years reasons to never be able to trust you again. Then be shocked that she can't put up with any of your other crap anymore. <laughs>